All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Coming at you live from the WoodJerseys.com studios, it is season seven, episode one of the DFO podcast, presented to you by our friends at OddShark.com and DoorDash. It has been an absolutely exciting uh, off-season to date, uh, but sometimes it's the moves that you make early in the off-season that really pay dividends. And I think one of the biggest acts, uh, off-season acquisitions had to be DailyFaceOff.com acquiring mm-hmm. Frank Saravalli. Frank, it is so great to have you on the show. It is so great to have you be a part of the DFO team. We've got Brock Segan and Biebs Bondi here with you, Frank. Welcome to the team and welcome to the DFO podcast. Brock, Biebs, great to be with you guys. It's uh, You guys have put down such a great foundation at DFO and I'm excited to join in and uh, you know get this party started. Yeah, it, uh, it, you coming aboard really kind of legitimizes everything that we've kind of been putting together and all the hard work we've been putting in over the last eight Absolutely. years. So, um I'm sure your phone the day you announced that you were coming to DFO was crazy, but I like to think that my phone was almost similar to yours. People were like, dude, you got Frank Saravalli? Like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I really have no idea uh, how we put pulled this off, but it, it is uh, an absolute honor. Yeah, I mean, the things that everyone has in the works at Daily Faceoff to build this out, like I said, and the foundation that you guys have put together, uh, it's an exciting time. So uh, we're going to be really busy here over the next few weeks. Everyone's been saying, hey, like, have you gotten a break or are you going to get a break in August, get some time off? I'm like, no way. I got a bunch of people to hire and add to the team so we can really build something special. And, you know, by, you know, this time, two months from now, the start of October, after training camps have opened, we're going to have some really exciting things underway, some new shows, some new platforms, uh, definitely some new people in the fold, some other names in the hockey media space that you will have recognized and known. So hopefully your phone can continue to blow up here. There you go. You heard it here first on the DFO podcast. Even yeah. more 
things coming to dailyfaceoff.com this offseason. Frank, you absolutely stole the show at the expansion draft. Uh, I mean, Twitter was ablaze because of what you did. Some people agreeing with the fact that you basically broke every single pick. Some people not. We don't care so much about those people. It was uh, no, tremendous it was, it was work. Awesome to watch. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it's like I said, it's been an absolutely electric offseason thus far. So we want to just talk to you really quickly here uh, and just kind of go through the list of teams that really improved their teams uh, and some teams that maybe didn't do enough with the cap space or the assets they had uh, at their disposals. We'll start on a high note here. Who were some of your big winners um, in the offseason to date? Okay, so before we play winners and losers, I want to just throw a little caveat out there. I don't. I don't play the loser game. I'll just say teams that maybe didn't meet expectations or could have done a little bit more on that front. So uh, I'll run through my winners pretty quickly. Um, and, and maybe some of them will catch you by surprise. So here's one, the Winnipeg Jets. I love what they did on their defense. Um, you know, it's so tough for Winnipeg to attract some free agents that a lot of times they have to make their moves through the trade market. And I think they did it on two fronts with Brendan Dillon, and also uh, Nick Sh- Nate, Nate, Schultz- Schmidt. Nate Schmidt, excuse me. I was almost going to call him Nick Schultz. That's, a, that's another <laughs> name from the hockey past. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Nate Schmidt, those two guys, uh, Brendan Dillon is such an underrated acquisition. Every team, like every team that I've talked to that he's played on, guys absolutely love playing with him. They want, they fight to be his D partner because he makes life so easy for you on the blue line. And so, uh, those two guys, I think, have upgraded their back end really significantly. You've already got Connor Hellebuck in net. You've got one of the premier top six forward groups in the league. You've definitely got some depth. And so the fact that you're adding those two guys in, I think, catapults the Winnipeg Jets into Stanley Cup contender category. Another winner is a team that really was really good last year. Uh, they just ran into the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round, and that would be the Florida Panthers. I think that team has another level to get to. They need to have the same sort of Sam Bennett that they had in the last few weeks of the regular season and the playoffs. You add in Sam Reinhart, a guy that you could probably pencil in for 30-30 easy. Like he was already doing it in Buffalo on a tough team. I think you add Sam Reinhart to the mix once you get him signed, uh, that's going to pay some big dividends. And then you've got Spencer Knight, a full season of Spencer Knight, uh, in tandem with Bobrovsky. I really like what the Panthers are building. I've got three other winners for you. The Chicago Blackhawks, um, now that they know that Marc-Andre Fleury will be showing up, they got him for literally nothing. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Johnson, they got for next to nothing. And Seth Jones upgrades their blue line. I think that team, in a year where the Central is in a little bit of transition, You've got the St. Louis Blues, maybe a team that's on the way down. They need to find a way to replace some significant goals when you lose likely Vladimir Tarasenko, Jaden Schwartz, Tyler Bozak, Mike Hoffman. That's a lot of goals to take out of your lineup. I see a team like Chicago uh, really sort of vaulting up in what's been a disappointing and really confusing offseason off-ice for the Blackhawks. We have to address and point out the sexual allegation allegations Mm -hmm. and – it's um it's been really difficult to digest that part of it off the ice, but I like what they're doing on the ice. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, who would have penciled them in to be a winner? Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Yeah, but here here's the thing: seven draft picks now in the first two rounds of the 2022 draft, which is supposed to be yeah a really best. really deep draft. Yeah, yeah, one of the best. So if you add in seven picks, um. They're in the race for Shane Wright as it is, and it's going to be them and Buffalo, the race to the bottom. 
I really like Arizona's chances uh, given the roster that they've put together. And when you have seven picks, that that sort of lends itself to, um, you know, the Coyotes being back and being competitive sooner rather than later. And the last one on my winner's side is the New Jersey Devils, Dougie Hamilton, uh, Ryan Graves on the back end, and then Jonathan Bernier to play in tandem with Mackenzie Blackwood. Uh, I think that Devils team is probably a little bit underrated in terms of the season that uh, Hughes had up front, the continued growth from Nico Heischer. I think that team could be pretty competitive in the Metro this year. Yeah, it's funny that you say the Arizona Coyotes because they really did have an impressive offseason, but it's also just going to be hilarious how impressively bad they are. Um, I mean, is their number one goalie really going to be Carter Hutton? Um, maybe Yoshev Kornosh? Like, they are impressively bad, but they are stockpiled for the future without question. But that's the point is, like, if you're going to be bad, you might as well not be, like, Yeah, in you the want middle. Shane Wright next year. He's he's the number one consensus. You want to just lose and have the best odds you well can. they're like i said they're going to be in competition with buffalo yeah. to do that so yeah, you know both. try and beat as bad as you can and if you're going to be bad have seven picks seven cracks <laughs> at it in those first two rounds and and you know perhaps you get lucky perhaps you get in a situation uh sort of like the ottawa senators were in they traded um eric carlson to san jose they got a first round pick they would have never thought in a million years that that pick would be in the lottery and of course they ended up with two picks in the top four so um, you know, I think the Sens are going to be really competitive. I think Arizona has the chance to follow that same sort of model in two to three years time. You, uh, you mentioned the Chicago Blackhawks, um, you know, bringing in Seth Jones, would you maybe consider the Blue Jackets as winners this off season as well? They, they ended up getting a pretty nice return for Seth Jones, a guy that made it very clear that he wasn't coming back. Green and Boquist is obviously a nice addition. Um, and they did a couple of other nice things as well. You know, they actually got Patrick Lyonhead to sign a, a qualifying offer. Uh, you know, Adam Boquist, as I mentioned, Sean Corrali. Would you just, Jake Bean as well, would you consider them to be winners at all or just kind of mm, whatever? Um, I, I don't think they're winners or losers or disappointing just because I, I think the reason is they're kind of in that exact middle ground that we were just talking about. And unfortunately in the NHL, it's like no man's land. It's the one place you don't really want to be probably well outside the playoff picture, but not bad enough to be in the real lottery conversation. And so that's sort of the tough middle ground that they're wading through at the moment is like that team. Um, and I, I really like the hire that they made with Brad Larson as their coach to replace John Tortorella. I, I think he has some real potential, and I think you know some players on that team do. It seems like they maybe overpaid a little bit for Zach Wierenski. Um, it's just a lot of pieces to tear off from that core uh, when you consider all the names that have moved on in the last short while here. Seth Jones, uh, Nick Foligno, Cam Atkinson. Like These are all pretty big pieces that you're taking out of the lineup um, that are just difficult to replace and is going to put that team in a tough spot for a couple of years. Before we get to some of our disappointing teams um, or my losers, can you provide some clarity as to what is going on in Dallas, having now brought in Braden Holpe, seemingly now having four NHL goaltenders on the roster, obviously Ben Bishop's a little bit banged up. I mean, thank God for websites like dailyfaceoff.com that will tell you who's going to start in net because 
I have no shameless idea. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> I have no Fantasy idea. Fantasy owners are going to hate or yeah. are going to hate Dallas this year because it's just going to be consistent daily faceoff checks. I mean, they'll love our site, but at the same time, it's really going to piss them off. What's yeah, wrong so. with that? I mean, yeah, I, I, we have no yeah. issues with it. Um, it's so good for business. Dallas should, should sign one more goalie actually while they're at it. Um, <laughs> really spark, <laughs> really spark things up over there. It, it's funny you guys asked about that because actually a few days before free agency opened. Uh, I was getting together my trade targets list and I had said um, I actually was calling around about the Dallas stars and what they were up to. And I was like, they already have one too many goalies because Mm -hmm. I think Jake Ottinger needs more time in the net. Um, Clearly Ben Bishop is, is more than banged up. Um, And so I figured, you know, all along Ben Bishop was a buyout candidate because of all those reasons. Turns out obviously they're keeping him, but the thing with the stars is they, they don't have any clarity on Ben Bishop's status yet. And apparently they won't have it until September, close to when camp is opening. So I think they wanted some insurance. Maybe they're not convinced about Jake Ottinger. And maybe that's the real takeaway from here is that, you know, maybe they're thinking that Ottinger, who still, I believe, can pass through waivers, uh, doesn't need waivers, excuse me, is waiver exempt. Um, that maybe Ottinger doesn't start in the NHL and they go with Hudobin and Holpe. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of the whole situation. I definitely was surprised when someone said, whispered in my ear on Sportsnet on free agency day, Braden Holpe's going to Dallas. And I looked at my sheet. I was like trying to corner the goalie market all day. And I was like, Dallas, really? And so, yeah, a little bit surprising, but, um, you know, the old saying used to be, you can never, never, never have too many defensemen. Maybe it's really, you can never have too many goalies. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Things have changed a little bit with the, with the, 32nd team added here but yeah well it's important to keep in mind guys though this is going to be an interesting year for goalies because again it's a little bit of a condensed schedule with the nhl likely going to the olympics and so if you've got you know you're going to need two goalies like i i think it's an especially critical year for any guy who's likely going to be a starter in the olympics like i'm looking at a vasilevsky for instance Mm -hmm. you needed to nail down your backup position and tampa needed to do it at a real budget price at nine hundred thousand, and they had targeted someone that would actually be willing to play for that amount. Brian Elliott ended up being the guy, but they're going to need to rely on Brian Elliott sort of before the Olympic break, after the Olympic break, maybe a little bit more in March as Vasilevsky gets back and, and gets used to playing after probably carrying Team Russia or whatever the ROC team is going to be called in Beijing, provided that the NHL is going. Yeah, you have to think that Washington having to start Craig Anderson last year is making teams in the playoffs is making teams almost think, you know, we got to have that third guy or Colorado the year before with Hutchinson. You almost mm-hmm. have to have that third something there because um, it seems to be happening at least to one of the 16 that makes it in every year. So no yeah. doubt. Yeah. You brought up Tampa really quickly. They were another team that I kind of had penciled in as a as a winner, just because, like you said, they were so up against the cap and they needed to. Do- wait, wait, wait! You made Tampa because all they do is win. You made them a winner. Yeah, oh, good. <laughs> I, just, I, I see I how just, that works. I just feel like Tampa Bay did some very tidy work in a very very difficult situation. They seemingly just continue to get themselves out of these these tight spots time and again. You bring up Brian Elliott, bringing in uh, you know a veteran backup who's been solid you know throughout his NHL career. Uh, to help out Vasilevsky, you bring in uh, Pierre Edouard Belmar to help out that fourth line. He is just the ideal fourth line center. Corey Perry comes in um, and at a very cheap cost. They get rid of Tyler Johnson. They bring on Seabrook to, to LTIR him. It just seems like they they do just this tidy work all the time. So I had there there were the other team that we didn't talk about yet that I had as a winner. I just would like to know your thoughts on the on the Lightning's offseason so far. 
Sometimes I think Julian Breezeball, their GM, is playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. Yep. It seems like he's kind of always one step or one move ahead of everyone else. You know, I know teams were actually surprised right after Tampa's Cup win. They were calling around to them saying, hey, can, you know, can we trade for one of your defensemen? They're like, no, no, we're good. Um, you know, we don't need to move anyone. We're all set on our offseason plans. And they're like, all set. Like, you're $10 million over the cap. How does that work? And so – I think by then they had known that Seattle was targeting Yanni Gord. You could still ask the question, and I think it would be fair whether Seattle actually squeezed them enough. Like if I was Seattle, and I've said this before, I would have said, hey, I'm taking Matthew Joseph off your hands. I think that guy can score 20 or 25 goals easy next year. He had 12 in a shortened season without a lick of any sort of special teams time. Get that guy, have him score 20 or 25, and then if you want to give me someone else for free to help your cap situation, a Yanni Gord, a Tyler Johnson, whoever it is, Andre Palat, I'll take him off your hands. But uh, in this case, I, you know, so they, they lose really an entire grind line, an identity line uh, with Gord, Coleman, and uh, I'm on the other. Yeah, Barkley Goodrow that goes to New York. They lose those guys, and they lose Tyler Johnson, who goes to Chicago. But I do think that they filled out their group appropriately. So I don't think they're going to be quite as good as they were the last two years. And understandable, I mean, you really can't keep that core together, uh, that $98.5 million core together. But I do think that they're going to still going to be a really good team. Look, the, the starting base that they have, Vasilevsky, arguably the best goalie in the world. Victor Hedman, the best, arguably the best defenseman in the world. And then you've got Nikita Kucherov up front, arguably the best scorer in the world. Although Connor McDavid would argue with that, I think. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that's your starting foundation. And then you've got the depth that sort of trickles down from there. I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be just fine. Yeah, it, it is hilarious to look at the fact that they lost basically their identity line um, in total. And then they just have that much depth that they can kind of be like, oh, well, Matthew Joseph's a third-line player now. And you're like, yeah, he would be on any other team in the NHL. They're just mm -hmm. absolutely loaded um, and probably poised for another cup run this year. Um, all right. So we're not going to call them losers, but who, you know, maybe didn't do enough this off season or who didn't do enough with their assets or, or their cap space um, heading into 2022. All right. So pretty obvious one would be the Buffalo Sabres. And it's really for all the reasons opposite of what the Arizona Coyotes were doing. They, I, I, I did like the, a little bit, some portions, I guess, of the the trade with Florida for Reinhardt. I think Devin Levi is a top goalie prospect. They're a team that needed a goalie in their system. They now have one that they can circle and say, okay, this is the guy that we're grooming and growing for that number one role. And I get that. And the first round pick is fine. So there's no real issue with that trade. It's really just the fact that it's now August. The calendar's flipped to August, and we're still talking about Jack Eichel being a Buffalo Sabre. Like, mm -hmm. I, I get that they weren't going to give him away. I get that, um, you know, look, the fact that this story is ongoing, though, to me is is probably a failure on some level. And the fact that as we get closer and closer to training camp, the price would probably seemingly continue to drop. Now, if the Sabres want to play hardball and hold firm on exactly what they've been asking for, well, then that's fine. But, you know, just be prepared for the circus that comes with Jack Eichel showing up to camp. Do you have to take the C off his jersey? All those other things. Does he report? Does he try and push and go ahead with the surgery that he'd like to get? Um, I do think the return on Rasmus Ristolainen was quite good. But still, the fact that we're talking about the Sabres at this point um, and, and sort of all the pieces that they've plucked off their roster, 
they're in the, the race for Shane Wright, but I don't think they have nearly the same sort of upside and future that Arizona has. It's funny when you talk about that same Reinhardt trade, because like it is a good return for them to get Levi, but from the Florida Panthers perspective, Levi means basically yeah, nothing at that point. So uh, it, it was, it's interesting the way you can look at that trade because for Florida, it seems like an absolute, you know, home run uh, somebody to get to come in to play next to Barkoff and just light it up. And then, but for the Sabres, you're, you, I do agree there. Uh, anybody else that didn't do enough for you? Yeah. Uh, Vegas losing Marc-Andre Fleury for nothing. I think the way that that was handled was really poor. This yeah. guy was an icon, a face of your franchise. To For him to find out on Twitter, I think is so wrong on so many levels. And I know that they've tried to backpedal from that. But the fact that they showed Ryan Graves more – or not Ryan Graves. Um, Ryan geez, Reeves. Ryan Reeves, not Ryan Graves. Uh, that they showed him a little bit more respect and were working through the process with him. You know, picking his landing spot. Of course, he ends up with an extension in short order from New York. If you were following on dailyfaceoff.com, our trade targets, we had mentioned Ryan Reeves in New York for quite some time. He's their solution to their Tom Wilson problem. Hilarious. And <laughs> he adds some significant toughness and, and identity to their group. But for Vegas, like Marc-Andre Fleur, like now you're going with Robin Leonard in net. Um, and I know that he's going to play in tandem there. But, geez, um, he's a 313-pound goalie. And he's got – Really, some he's got a lot to prove in, in in a difficult schedule year again. Now, 82 games instead of a shortened 56, that he can help carry this team. His numbers have, have been consistently excellent, but he's really played in spot duty because Flurry carried the ball for so long. And so, uh, a team that also really needed to bolster itself down the middle. Uh, I'm still not quite understanding the Dadanov trade. I know that he can be a productive player, but I don't necessarily see exactly how he fits in and it's also at a pretty big cap hit i would think that at some point one of marsh or smith is still going to be on the move here and, and maybe uh i'm not seeing the entire picture maybe they're a team that does make a move for jack eichel but for me I, it's hard to look at the vegas golden knights and say that this team that uh was so close to winning the president's trophy and had a disappointing playoff exit is better now than they were last year and then another uh, disappointing team for me is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've got a lot to do, I think, to get better. Um, you know, the Peter Morazic decision in net, I think, left people a little bit wondering because I think what happened was if I'm looking back on the situation in its totality on the goaltending front, they, I think, had their sights set on either Darcy Kemper maybe trying to get in the Philip Grubauer situation, Linus Olmark. And so I think the way that they were viewing the market as it would play out would just be that Grubauer would end up staying in Colorado. Kemper, uh, you know, maybe wasn't worth the asking price that Arizona had set and ultimately ended up receiving, including that first round pick plus. And then Linus Olmark, they wanted him, I think, at a pretty specific number, provided that he was leaving the Buffalo Sabres. Of course, he ended up doing that. Grubauer ended up going to Seattle. Uh, you know, Kemper went up to to Colorado, wow. and then Olmark, in this case, went to Buffalo. And so, I think what they were guarding against was just being left with nothing as the goalie carousel continued to turn. They end up with Morazic on a somewhat bargain deal, but some pretty significant term at three years, uh, three point eight million. You know, he's sort of like the number five or six best goalie available on my list, depending on how you're looking at it. And then up front, 
Um, you know, I, I do like the the signing of Camp. I think he could be sort of, uh, you know, he could be your Philip Deneau light in the group. Uh, I think he's a guy that is so incredibly defensively conscious that um, makes a lot of sense and on a bargain deal. But Kashe has some significant injury history. Again, a little risk because you can bury the deal if it doesn't work out. Same thing with Michael Bunting. But this is a group that lost in pretty spectacular fashion in the first round and, you know, isn't really significantly better on paper and is basically bringing back the entire same core and group. Yeah. Uh, your list and my list are basically in lockstep at this point. I think just going back to Vegas really quickly, it is just interesting to me that you give away Mark Andre Fleury for nothing, his $7 million cap hit really only to bring in, uh, dad and off in Yanmark at the exact same cap hit combined. Uh, it's just that that doesn't seem like enough, um, for getting to know or giving flurry away for nothing. You'd seem like maybe they were a team that should have been maybe a little bit heavier after somebody like Philip to like you said, to help down the middle. Um, because yeah, bringing in Dadunov really doesn't move the needle for a team that, you know, they've had Alex talk playing on the third line when he should probably be a top six player his entire career. So uh, the last thing they needed was probably another scoring winger for their bottom six. Unless they're planning on moving one of those guys to help them get a center. Does like a Marcia so or, or a Riley Smith go to a place like New York in exchange for like a Ryan Strome? Like there must be some other move here coming that I'm not seeing. And, yeah. and so this point, you know, if it's not an, an incomplete, like they're sort of getting that uh, negative grade for sure. Yeah, that's you know that's why we kind of said at the top of the show who is your who hasn't done enough to date because there's got to be something else to give. There's even in Toronto now going back to the Leafs like you just mentioned. There still seems to be something up there like they just kind of have too many bodies mm -hmm. and not enough like not enough spots for some of the guys on the roster. Obviously, maybe some players weren't quite as, as NHL ready as maybe uh, they thought, but the Leafs just seem. I had the Leafs and actually the Bruins as losers uh, or maybe teams that didn't do enough just because I felt like the Panthers did so much. Um, Tampa was already kind of so elite and the Bruins and the Leafs to me did not do quite enough to kind of bridge that gap, close that gap to those guys, uh, or at least to Tampa and Florida did a nice job. Um, the Leafs, yeah, they just really kind of, you know, bunting Nick Ritchie, Andre Cash, some decent players, but not really anybody that's going to move the needle too, too much. Um, you know, Cash, obviously, if he can play, he, he, he's been kind of somebody that the analytics um, people have loved throughout his entire career. But just staying mm -hmm. on the ice is one thing that doesn't factor into those charts. And um, hopefully, you know, for the Leafs' sake, he can stay on the ice. But uh, anybody else that didn't do quite enough for you? Um, yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think the San Jose Sharks are another team that's pretty disappointing um, in terms of their offseason. Like adding Nick Bonino, I'm, you know, fine. You know, I think all successful teams have had a player like Nick Bonino. They buy out Martin Jones. It seems like their goaltending picture is James Reimer and Aiden Hill will be the backup. Like they really needed to solve their goaltending. And I know Reimer's numbers have been solid, but talk about a team that really needed a shakeup. And then you see all this stuff going on off the ice with Evander Kane way before these allegations even came out about, you know, gambling on, on hockey uh, over the weekend. I had been reporting for weeks that Vander Kane had fallen out of favor with his teammates and they basically had gone into their exit interviews with GM Doug Wilson, with their coaching staff saying, look, this guy can't come back. We can't play with this guy anymore. So he's still there. The allegations have surfaced. You know, the team was already trending in the wrong direction. They've got three, some would call them pillars. Others would call them anchors on their back end. Carlson, <laughs> Burns, and Vlasic, like, 
the fact that all those guys are returning, there doesn't seem to be change. Like they're, they seem to be running it back with the same group that has kind of been for two years in a row, like not really heading in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And then you got a team, you know, like the LA Kings right next door who seem to just keep getting better, you know, every single month, you know, their, their, their prospect pool is great. They bring in to know. Um, I heard you talking about it on the DFO rundown the other day. Uh, and it's something that I've been talking about as well is that, is this going to really unlock Anze Kopitar? Uh, the fact like, cause we've seen Anze Kopitar put up some outstanding numbers throughout his career, but fantasy owners kind of seemingly always want a little bit more from Kopitar. Now that he might not have as many, uh, tough matchups and, and some of those tougher matchups will go to Dino. Is this really going to unlock Anze Kopitar in LA, you think? I think so. I think that's the whole point is like take some of the stress of the minutes, the defensive responsibilities, the matchup, all that off of his plate and allow him to get back to being that sort of point per game, close to it type player that's scoring 30 plus goals. Um, and I think Dino can shoulder a little bit of that. I think the one disappointing thing if you're the Kings is that it's a pretty significant price to pay in both term and dollars for Deneau for a guy whose offensive output is really still kind of somewhat limited. And I think you have to go back to two years ago where you could say, you know, when Deneau got to that 53 point mark, uh, even, you know, you know, maybe a little bit more than or less than that 47 points that he did in 71 games in, in 2019, 20 before the pandemic hit, like that's sort of the production that you need to get to in order to justify that cost. And that's, you know, still saying that Philip Deneau is, is a, in the Selkie conversation in that top 10 forward realm. Uh, but I do really like the acquisition that they made in Victor Arvidsson, pretty inexpensive price. You've got him at a good cap hit for the next three years. Uh, I think he could get back to that 25, 30 goal range. And, um, you know, just some other bets that you've made. Alex Iafalo is a really good player on their back end. Matt Roy and Sean Walker, like they're both in good spots. They've got some young players that they're assimilating into their lineup. And the big question mark for me is still going to be a net. They believe in Cal Peterson. They left Jonathan Quick exposed. He was extremely fired up to be exposed. I think that was a shock. Um, by all accounts, he is not a very happy camper. He had a better season last year. And I think he's a guy that, you know, you know, to me, uh, has some more to bring to the table, um, you know, bouncing back a little bit. Yeah. And Frank, one final question here for you. Um, I'm an ass fan personally. And, and one of the biggest shockers this offseason was just seeing Grubauer go to Seattle. You, you said, um, you know, Toronto expected, you know, Colorado would lock him up, kind of the pieces would fall in. How do you feel about that trade? And also, um, as far as Kemper goes, was it a good, you know, viable solution? Um, kind of what's going on there? Because that, that was a big, I know I, I was out on the water and I almost had to like triple take if I had service that that deal even happened, the Seattle one. Um, and yeah, interesting. Thing. I actually, I actually really like the trade for Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I know that's not a popular view, but I think Kem Kemper, when he's healthy and he can stay on the ice, I think he's one of the five best goalies in the league. And so, um, you know, Grubauer to me had a really good year. I wonder if a better goalie can have a better year. Yeah. Um, and I just think when you were able to get Arizona to retain some money is really what made the deal worthwhile. Um, you know, the big thing for me, I think the abs back end, uh, if you can have a healthy Eric Johnson, um, you know, I think that changes sort of the look and then they got a little bit bigger and nastier with Curtis McDermott at six, five. Um, I think the abs are going to be just fine. They've got a little bit of cap space to, to play with. Uh, they've gotten everyone for the most part signed. They got Joe signed over the weekend. You know, 
I, I just think they have a little bit of flexibility and wiggle room to maybe make this team even a little bit better. But um, all the pieces are there to really kind of be good and competitive for the next number of years now up until they need to pay McKinnon. Yeah, and I think I, I, I think that's kind of the way that I've been feeling about it. a lot of people just – we're so attached to somebody like Grubauer, you know, after a season like last year, but I, I, I do think, uh, you know, Kemper out there. Um, is like look at Kemper's team. numbers and then look at the team he was playing on. Absolutely, like yeah. you put him now on a really good team. And I think those numbers can be in the 925, 928 realm, you know, even on top of what Grubauer was able to accomplish last year. Yeah, if you look at 18-19 combined, uh, sorry, 1920 he had a 926 save percentage in Arizona. Um, I, I, I personally think that – you know, maybe they wanted to bring Grubauer back, but I think maybe not signing him is going to end up being yeah. a good thing for him because, like you said, Kemper can be an absolute stud um, on a. Good they just team. had a budget, Brock. It was yeah, we're paying five million dollars yeah. flat. We can do five times five. Grubauer is looking for a six times six. He thought he should be in sort of that Bennington Markstrom world, and I get it. Coming off of a season like that, look more for power sure. to you. I'm never going to begrudge a player asking for more money, but the abs are saying can do it. Yeah. This is our, yeah, it's the one time you can do it. I think that's a great point. And I think, you know, for the abs perspective, they're like, we have an internal budget that we need to stick to and we need to stick to 5 million bucks. Um, I think you saw Omar come in right around that same number. There were more questions about Omar's health than I think anyone that was available on the premier sort of top end of the goalie market. And I think they end up with a guy in Kemper at a reduced number at three, five, that just gives them more flexibility elsewhere. And, and there's also not a lot of term, like yeah, see how Kemper does year. get to get to January and then reassess and evaluate your goaltending situation. If you love Kemper, re-sign him to that sort of longer term deal in that $5 million range. And then you're set budget wise moving forward. Like I just think it makes a lot of sense for Colorado, a team that really needs to watch every dollar in and out. And you know what? The Avalanche seem to be a team that has stuck to their dollars with every single player that they've signed over the recent years. Like even Bakar coming in uh, at nine million seems a little bit lower when you see Jones and Rowenski's contracts. Like they seem to always just stick to their dollar, and they seems to work out very well for them. But Frank, uh, we've we've gone well over our allotted time here, so I appreciate you uh, joining the show. Uh, hopefully, we can have you on again soon. Um, for all of our DFO listeners, uh, we will be releasing another episode uh, this upcoming Friday with me, Beebs, and Dylan breaking down all of the offseason moves uh, from more of a fantasy perspective. But uh, for now, I'm Brock Segan. We have Beebs Bonnie here as well. Thank you again, Frank, for joining us. And uh, again, like I said, hopefully we have you on here soon. My pleasure, guys. Can't wait to talk to you guys once the season gets rolling. Absolutely. Awesome. Best of luck in the, in the next month there, too. Thank you, guys. Yep. 
and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. 